Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Backchat, exploring the five pillars of health with Dr. Paul Bugamo and Dr. Anthony Coxon. Welcome to Backchat. My name is Paul Bergamo and it's great to be here on our next podcast. Backchat is about being your best. It does this by exploring the five pillars of health. It refers to being your best in thinking, moving, eating, sleeping, and also in neurology. Today's Backchat will cover probably a bit about moving, a bit about neurology, I reckon. Anthony, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, we'll cover those two areas. You could even say it covers a bit of eating in some oh, ways. Wow, that's right. Know. Exactly. No, very <laughs> well. I'm living it when yes, you eat, so. there you go. And here's his voice, Anthony Coxon. G'day, how you going, Anthony? Oh, super good, Paul. Super good. Excellent. So, what are we talking about today? So, today we're talking about the jaw, the TMJ, yes. a, a much uh, misunderstood, often neglected part mm. of the anatomy, and uh, so pleased to have someone who is an absolute expert in this area today. Excellent. So without further ado, let us introduce Dr. Russell Mottram, who's a chiropractor and member of the American Academy of Craniofacial Pain. Uh, he's a sessional lecturer at RMIT, uh, teaching craniomedibular disorders. He's also a co-author of a chapter in the, book, in the multidisciplinary textbook, Headache, Orofacial Pain and Bruxism, published by Elsevier in 2010. He's currently principal of TMJ Care in both Melbourne and Ocean Grove. And this is a referral-based practice working with the jaw, head, face pain, dysfunction. And he's co-founded the lecture series, The Brain, Pain, and the Jaw, Head and Face, which he's been currently presenting with, I think, our friend, Dr. Paul Noon again. Yes, we he... talked about Dr. Paul Noon all the time on this podcast. Just in our last podcast. Exactly, we? to health professionals all around Australia. Hey, Russ, how are you going? I'm well, thanks, Paul. Excellent. Russ, thanks so much for being part of Backchat today. So um, the TMJ, often, often, often patients come in and say, look, I've just Googled something or I've just, my GP says I've got a, a TMJ problem. Let, let's start with the very basics. What is the TMJ? Well, literally the term, uh, like all Australian terms of any length, we love to shorten them in, our, in this country, <laughs> names, etc., etc. And TMJ literally stands for temporomandibular joint, but that's a bit of a mouthful. 
and so we've tended to abbreviate it to TMJ. The actual term itself applies to the joint, temporomandibular joint, but it's also been a word that's been bandied around when people say they've got a problem in the area, I've got TMJ, which is uh, not really very accurate because it's like saying I've got knee or I've got ankle or I've got shoulder, you know, every everyone uh, everyone's got one but yes. uh, I actually prefer the term temporomandibular joint disorder or TMD uh, as a probably a more accurate term of actually the condition or the problem that that uh, it might be occurring in the jaw joint I mean you might hear other names like uh, craniomandibular craniofacial orofacial but uh, TMD is the term that I quite like to use when it comes to describing disorders or dysfunction of the jaw joint. Look, I think that um, those guys, just, again, their anatomy and the condition mixed up, aren't they? They're sort of saying, I've got TMJ, not understanding what that really means and uh, not adding the word disorder or syndrome associated with it, I suppose. But commonly, as, yeah. you, as you know, Russell, you know, as chiropractors, we see a lot of patients with headaches and neck pain. How do you, as an expert in this area, ascertain whether the headache is related to perhaps jaw problems? Well, as I'm sure both of you know, Paul and Anthony, headaches is one of the most complex uh, areas to try and actually work out what's going on because, I mean, according to the International Classification of Headache Disorders, there are literally dozens and dozens of different types of headaches, causes of headaches, etc., etc., you know, from primary headaches like migraines and tension headaches through to secondary headaches, of which uh, headaches coming from jaw problems is one. Um, having said that it's tricky, um, I think that it's important if you have a persistent ongoing headache, particularly if it's severe, particularly if it's accelerating in terms of its severity, etc., that it's important to get an accurate diagnosis. I would hate to uh, for someone to listen to this podcast uh, with headaches and, and think that they were getting a diagnosis from me. So I think initially a headache needs to be fully investigated. As you know, there are things that cause headaches which are uh, nasty and uh, potentially serious. But um, having said that, uh, most headaches at least have some sort of musculoskeletal component um, you know we all know about neck headaches or uh, headaches that come from tension in the muscles and things around the neck etc and, and jaw tension and stress around the jaw joint and the muscles is one of those um, uh, things that can cause a headache I suppose uh, trying to actually determine whether your headache might be related to, to your jaw depends upon whether you actually might have some signs that your jaw joint's not working properly. So things like difficulty or pain when you open your mouth or when you chew or when you talk, if your jaw's getting uh, sort of stuck or locked or uh, goes out, as some people put it, uh, if there's noises like clicks, pops, grinding, etc., if your bite doesn't feel right, if you've had a a recent or past history of trauma to your head, neck or jaw, um, you've got aching in your face or your teeth, then all of these symptoms might be a sign that your jaw's not working particularly well and that they might be contributed to your headaches. 
So those factors obviously uh, would uh, make you be thinking uh, a TMJ problem related to headaches. Obviously, I'm assuming pain around the ear or that temporal area close to the joint is another one. Uh, Do you just routinely screen for TMJ as a matter of course anyway? I do. Like most chiropractors, I've got a uh, <clears throat> an examination history protocol, um, and I think a lot of chiropractors sometimes uh, stop at the top of the neck uh, with their examination and treatment protocols. And as uh, we know, if we have some understanding of neurology, the uh, the jaw joints and the structures around the teeth and jaw. Uh, impact very strongly upon the function of the brain through a big nerve system called the trigeminal system. So it, it's a it's a big input into the way that our nervous system and our brain works, etc. So uh, it doesn't take very long to just do a few simple tests to determine whether the jaw might be functioning properly or whether the bite is uh, not quite. Uh, as comfortable or harmonious as it might be, and, and it's it's worthwhile checking out these things. So, Russell, for back chat listeners who are, have got jaw problems, who is the best type of practitioner for them to see, do you think? Well, <clears throat> it's like saying, uh, Paul, you know, who's, who should, who's the best that you should see as far as your back pain is concerned, you know? There are uh, a lot of people out there who... Um, purport to treat uh, these things, but um, I suppose the key to it is getting uh, the right type of diagnosis. You can you can have a simple jaw problem for which, you know, it's basically a joint muscle problem for which any sort of physical therapist like a chiro or an osteo or a physio uh, might have some uh, idea about treating and might attempt to treat in their practice. Um Often, if you go and see your doctor with a jaw problem or whatever, they'll often send you to a dentist. But in all professions, really, um, training in the diagnosis and treatment of jaw problems is not particularly robust. I mean, most undergraduate type of uh, programs in dentistry and and physical therapy, chiropractic, etc., don't spend a lot of time actually looking at how to properly diagnose and treat this joint. And a lot of the time it can actually be quite complicated and complex because things like the way your uh, head is postured, the way your teeth come together, whether your personality and the stresses in your life are creating tension around your neck, shoulders, jaw, etc., you know, I sometimes make the joke that uh, if you go to a Holden dealer, then you'll get a Holden. Uh, if you go to a dentist and you've got a jaw problem, they'll probably try and make something to, to fit over your teeth to, to change your, your bite. If you go to a physical therapist, you'll get um, some sort of a muscle joint approach, uh, etc. I suppose really... Um, you know, being a chiropractor who specialises in, in treatment of jaw problems, you know, all physical therapists or, or dentists might have a, a small idea about what's going on. But I think if you've got an ongoing issue, lots of people that come to see me have been to see lots of different people. And sometimes if TMD is complex, it, it really needs someone who more specialises in the area, I suppose. Um, 
I work in a multidisciplinary team, uh, which makes made up of myself as a as a physical or manual therapist, a, a dentist, and we also have psychologists involved and things uh, in the area of, of looking at uh, brain and, and nervous system stresses and tensions and personality issues that might create to a lot of clenching and grinding. So. Um, it's sometimes tricky to know who to go to see, but I think if your problem's ongoing, you, you need to seek out someone who at least has a lot of experience in in treating TMD and who, who works in a multidisciplinary team, I think. And look, Anthony, you and I have referred to Russell over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's based in Hawthorne and down Ocean Grove. And because when we've had situations that have gone beyond our abilities to manage with them refer on which is the right way to go tell us about what extra stuff you've done russell you've done this work for a long time just for our back chat listeners give us an insight well um a long time ago i had a a bit of a health issue that um meant that i had some some issues in this area myself and i went to see a, a chiropractor who specialized in craniosacral therapy, which we both know what that is, but our listeners might um, not know what that is. But it's it's a chiropractor that looks to uh, examine and, and maybe influence the articulations and the joints and muscles of the skull and the face. And uh, that made a huge difference to me. So I kind of got interested in, in that side of things. And then... Um, through a friend of mine who we probably both know, Dr. Peter Burke, whose father was a dentist, um, we I got interested in, in, in this field and started to attend some lectures by an American chiropractor called Bob Walker who had put together a system of holistic uh, management uh, and treatment um, called chirodontics, which was a combination of uh, physical therapy to the body and the face and the skull and the jaws and dental uh, approaches to changing bite. So I, let a, I met a few dentists at these seminars and uh, got involved in, in actually spending time in their practices co-treating patients with a combination of uh, in-mouth dental appliances and, uh, and physical therapy. Um, over the years, I've got involved with an organisation called the American Academy of Craniofacial Pain, which runs um, a lot of postgraduate courses, uh, both for dentists and physical therapists, in, in management of this type of, of problem. And um, so, yeah, mm. I suppose it's just been a, a gradual accumulation of knowledge, going to courses, um, and uh, and experiencing a lot of treating of this type of patient. Uh, Russ, uh, you mentioned earlier that um, that you do tend to do a screening test on all people that come in <coughs> for TMJ. Just just briefly, can you uh, go through for our Backchat listeners what sort of screening tests you would do for TMJ? Well, whenever I look at a patient, I look at, them holistic, holistically, Anthony. I mean, as chiropractors, that tends to be our approach anyway. Um, but um, your jaw is influenced by a number of things. I mean, we all know that people who come in with maybe tension or pain in the neck 
uh, if we stand them up and look at them, we often see that they might have a posture which is, might come from being at a computer a lot or not doing enough of the right type of exercise, and they might have their, their head carried a long way forward of their shoulders. And we know that if that sort of thing occurs over a long period of time, people are likely to build up fatigue and tightness in the neck and shoulders. Well, exactly the same thing occurs as far as the jaw is concerned. In fact, forward head posture, uh, forward head carriage, is as often associated with a posture of the jaw that can, over a period of time, lead to a lot of stress and strain around the jaw. So looking at the uh, the posture of a person, um, looking at the function of their musculoskeletal system in their spine, especially their upper back and their neck, then examining around their jaw joints proper, uh, where I might get them to stand up and I'll stand in front of them and feel their jaw joints, get them to open and close, move their joints in various ways, feel the, the tone and, uh, and function of the muscles. And I'll usually also have a quick look at the way their teeth come together, their so-called dental bite or dental occlusion. Uh, working with dentists a lot over the years, I've developed a, a reasonable understanding of the way that the teeth come together and how that might cause stresses and strains around the jaw joint. So I suppose it's uh, another thing that's worth looking at is um, whether the person is a clencher or a grinder because that's a big cause of tension around the uh, the jaws and, and the face. And so, you know, in, in my uh, history and in my questioning of patients, I'm, I'm looking for reasons and why they might have a jaw problem and things like uh, stress, tension, fatigue, poor sleep patterns, all those sort of things are ways that we might get some sort of a, an idea whether uh, their jaw and, and face and temporomandibular joints might, might be problematic and need attention. So one of the things obviously that you'd be checking for there is a clicky jaw and that's a, a common complaint with uh, people with uh, TMJ disorders. T tell us a little bit about what causes that. Is it serious? Is it something that can be managed? Well, I mean, clicking of the jaws is, um, you know, can have se several types of noise because the, the jaw joint uh, is right there in front of the ear. Anatomically, if you've got a click in a jaw joint, you, you actually hear it quite loudly in, in your ear sometimes. Um, and because of that, I think people get a little bit concerned about clicking jaws sometimes, sometimes very annoying. Sometimes uh, you're sitting across the table from your spouse or a friend and they're, you know, wincing every time you, you uh, chew. Not only you can hear the noise, but they can hear it as well. And it sometimes doesn't sound very, very nice. But, um, you know, people often have clicks in joints, like a, a person once they get to a certain age, and especially if they played sport or something in the past might roll their shoulder or do a knee bend and, and there's often a, a noise that comes from a, a joint like a click or a pop and um, you know this is something that that happens quite commonly around the jaw also most of the uh, frank clicks and pops that come from jaws are actually created by the fact that the little disc inside the jaw joint uh, has a bit of instability or it may not be moving in a way that is um, ideal or it may have been damaged at some point, the ligaments that hold the disc in place. And so 
a movement abnormality with the disc moving in an abnormal manner can often create a click or a pop in a jaw joint. Um, or there's other noises you can get from a jaw joint, like a sort of a rubbing or a grinding. And grinding can sometimes uh, be a sign that maybe the cartilage on the the uh, surfaces of the joints are, are a bit worn. Uh, rubbing and squeaking noises sometimes relate to ligamentous or muscular tightness around the jaw joint. So it's a matter of actually uh, feeling and knowing uh, what the noises are. But simply uh, simply put, the clicking and popping, which is probably the most common one, is actually caused usually by some derangement or some abnormality in the way that the disc is moving inside the joint. Now, is that serious or not? Well, generally, um, the research suggests that a simple joint that is clicking without locking or causing a lot of pain is not worth a lot of uh, large-scale intervention. It's actually quite a difficult thing to stop a click in a joint. Sometimes, uh, you know, as chiropractors, we get asked by our patients, you know, I've got this clicky knee or I've got this clicky shoulder, and, and we all know that that's sometimes uh, not something that's easy to fix. We, we tend to focus on the function of the joint, try and get that working as best we can, give our patients mm. strategies yeah. for keeping the, the joint functioning well, because the process of trying to fix a click can sometimes involve a big commitment like uh, changing the position of the jaw by an intraoral or in-the-mouth type of appliance. And um, that's expensive. It takes time. It's inconvenient. You have to wear something often for months on end. Uh, and unless, you know, there's a lot of pain or locking, it's generally considered that if you can simply manage a clicking joint, then large-scale treatment intervention, you know, beyond just trying a little bit of muscle or joint work uh, from a physical therapy point of view is, is really not worth it. So uh, it all depends on how much is bothering you, I suppose, um, as to whether, you know, you seek management of that beyond what I just said. Now, Anthony, how old's, how old's Mimi, your daughter? Uh, she's 19. And Joel? Joel, 21. Okay. So this concept of orthodontics, mm. did, did you go through that part? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Mimi had Mimi had braces. Yep. Um, she had virtually perfect top teeth, but just uh, lower teeth were just uh, maybe needed a little bit of work. And, and you know, it's a, it's a cosmetic thing mm -hmm. um, that uh, we were happy to do and she wanted done. And Joel's teeth were actually pretty good. So, um, yeah, uh, but it's, you know, it's every second child uh, in these days, so I would say, have braces. Well, that's right. So, Garrett the same. Caleb hasn't reached that stage. He's okay. He's 13 at this moment. But Garrett at 16 had, had, had braces orthodontics done. So, let's get our expert here. Russell regards orthodontics and helping jaw problems. I know often it's orthodontics and an alignment principle. Uh, what's your thoughts regards extended to jaw issues? Well, Paul, uh, the research doesn't support orthodontics as a frontline treatment for jaw problems, for TMD. A lot of people, as you've both alluded to, uh, seek uh, orthodontic work largely for cosmetic or aesthetic reasons and um, it's, I'm sure you realise, 
Anthony and Paul, that it's not something that is uh, uh, without some commitment, uh, both financially and, uh, you know, a process of orthodontics can take several years sometimes and uh, and, and require a fair bit of, uh, of, of, as I say, commitment. So the research doesn't um, support orthodontics for TMD unless a lot of other things have probably been tried first and the occlusion has finally been determined as a major player in the causation of this jaw joint problem. But you would try many, many other approaches before you went for orthodontics uh, as far as just the simple treatment of jaw joint problems is concerned. I mean, I've worked with dentists and orthodontists all the time, and there are some patients that do respond only to changing their bite as far as uh, controlling and managing their temporomandibular joint uh, problem. But uh, we that's usually an end stage after we've tried a number of other approaches. Can I can I flip it 180 degrees, Russell, and say with the application of orthodontics, has it led to jaw problems? Mm. That's a tricky question, uh, Paul. It's a, it's a bit of a controversial question. <laughs> we like controversial back chat. <laughs> <laughs> in that, um, if you've spent. Uh, Two and a half years and several thousand dollars of uh, on orthodontics, and then you have uh, a jaw problem that develops in the uh, in the aftermath of that. It's not something you necessarily want to admit, and and, and dentists are reluctant. Uh, orthodontists are reluctant to admit that maybe the way that they have put the bite uh, might have led to stress and strain around the jaw joints. But it just stands to reason uh, that, look, we all know that when we look at skulls and we look at the way that the face and the, the skull is shaped, that not all skulls are totally symmetrical. So that a lot of people who seek to have orthodontics seek to have it for a cosmetic reason, but sometimes the way that your bite is is the way that your body has put your jaws and your teeth in order to compensate for something that's not necessarily perfect in the rest of your body structure, mm. uh, in the, the way your skull is shaped or the way that your body uh, um has developed posturally, etc., etc. So you go and try and impose some sort of textbook uh, aesthetic smile or occlusion on a body that might have some stresses and strains that that want your jaw to be in a, in a certain way, then potentially you might actually cause some disharmony between uh, the muscles uh, and joints of your jaw and the way that your teeth want to come together if you try and change that. The research evidence doesn't support orthodontics as a cause of temporomandibular joint disorder. There is some evidence in the research which says that certain dental interventions and trauma around the, uh, the jaw and the bite can cause uh, or lead to jaw problems. 
Um, my own personal experience and the experience of the dentists that I work with is that some orthodontic procedures in some susceptible individuals uh, might have influenced the stresses and strains around their jaw joint. So uh, I think that if you are considering orthodontics, it may be worthwhile consulting someone who is looking a little more holistically at the uh, alignment of your skull, the uh, function of your jaw joints, and that that should be considered in the planning for your orthodontic treatment. I guess uh, the consideration that orthodontists uh, would have to go through might be similar to what a podiatrist would have to go through before putting in an orthotic. Um, there's a there's a you know the biomechanical standard, uh, but that biomechanical standard might be particularly inappropriate for some people if they have other uh, compensations happening. So uh, I guess, like you said, a, a holistic approach is is still important there. And the thing is, uh, Anthony. Uh you can take an orthotic out. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty tricky to undo uh, till after three years' worth of orthodontics. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, because often teeth have been removed, uh, teeth have been moved around within the bone of the jaw, etc. Which This is why the, the orthodontists and dentists that I work with, we often use removable appliances initially to temporarily place the teeth and jaws into a position uh, that we consider might be uh, desirable and then just see how the body copes with that. <clears throat> and uh, then we might withdraw those removable appliances and see how the, how the, the jaw is coping. And if we find that the jaw is, uh, is just going back into a painful, dysfunctional mode, then we might need to actually change the uh, the jaw um, position or the occlusal position, the tooth position in a more permanent way. Certainly extraction type orthodontics where teeth are taken out uh, and uh, then braces are put on and the teeth are drawn back to fill up those gaps, usually as a, as a means to straightening out crooked front teeth. Those sorts of procedures I think statistically are more likely to lead to jaw joint problems because they can create a trap for the mandible where the mandible might be wanting to to be in a more slightly forward posture position but the the way the teeth have been changed actually can force the jaw to uh, to posture back a little bit and that can put stress on the jaw joints. Those sorts of procedures um, are being done less and less now and so there is some awareness uh, in the orthodontic and dental profession that uh, what you do in the teeth uh, has considerations and, and consequences beyond just uh, the aesthetics and, and the way that your teeth look. So following from there, what, what are the typical techniques or how would you treat a, a, a TMJ disorder? Well, um, as I've said uh, before, Anthony, holistically, basically, um, through my history and my examination, I would like to understand quite thoroughly uh, what's causing this jaw problem. Some jaw problems are relatively simple and straightforward, like you know, 
sometimes uh, a person might wake up in the morning and they've got a a stiff neck or what we would call a wry neck or a torticollis and, and those sorts of things can occur in the jaw as well and and Paul uh, you would know that uh, that sometimes we think about those things as being dystonias rather than uh, actual problems with the the uh, the jaw joint itself yeah. which means that that possibly this this muscle problem that a person's presenting with might be actually related to the way their nervous system uh, was functioning so you know in my history I, I'm looking to uh, to get some sort of a timeline is this is this problem uh, something that's been there a short while is it a minor or fairly straightforward muscle joint issue or um, is it related to a long-standing stress or is it is the problem associated with the way someone's sleeping or are there other things like fibromyalgia going on in the body which might be manifesting in the jaws and uh, I've already spoken about the way that I examine someone with um, a full postural assessment signs of distortion and strain through their skull uh, looking at their jaw joint their, the way their teeth come together and having a look at the way their nervous system might be influencing tension around the, the jaws etc so when I've determined what the cause is and I've, uh, I've worked out that it's something that maybe I can help with, then the way that I would go about directly treating a, a jaw problem um, would be depending upon what I thought were the major factors in the cause of it. Uh, a lot of the time, simply changing the posture of the jaw on a regular basis might be one of the most important things that you can actually do to help a jaw joint problem. I've already alluded to the fact that a chronic forward head posture uh, is associated with a lot of stress around the jaws. So simply uh, making someone aware of their posture, talking about how they can uh, keep their chest more proud and, and uh, which will tend to bring the head back, that tends to de-stress the jaws. So even not even touching the jaw joint but looking at posture can be one way that uh, jaws can be positively, positively influenced. But, uh, you know, we use all the sort of techniques that, that we use to treat most joint, joint muscle problems. We use trigger point therapy, stretching of muscles. Uh, I use um, a technique known as dry needling, which is uh, sort of comes from a, a westernised um, uh, use of the acupuncture needle to, to help muscle function. Uh, I might mobilize the jaw joints uh, using manual techniques. I might use some pulsed ultrasound to, to calm down an inflamed joint and to help um, maybe ligamentous um, irritation. Uh, certainly when it comes to treating jaw joint problems, making someone aware of their habits uh, around clenching and grinding is really, really important. So things like simple cognitive behavioural therapy where um, I make someone aware of the fact that uh, they might be uh, holding tension in their jaw uh, during the day. I might suggest that they engage in some sort of mindfulness-type meditation to, to keep that stress and tension out of their jaws. And, and certainly home exercises uh, are really, really important in terms of someone's ongoing management of their jaw problem. So it's, a, it's a, certainly a, a bit of a uh, horses-for-courses kind of uh, approach, really. Fantastic. Wow. What do you think, Anthony? 
a lot of good information there, really, really, and such an important joint, as I said uh, at the outset, that uh, a lot of people sort of um, forget about when a lot of manual practitioners, when they're, when they're working with the neck and other areas, it's, 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 uh, we have to be thinking about TMJ or TMD. Uh, in addition, good to see you're learning, Anthony. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can't teach this old dog new tricks. He's there there. All right, well done. Hey, Russell, now regards some take home messages. Could you summarize three take home messages for our back chat listeners? Well, I was talking before just about um, mindfulness, about clenching and grinding. When your jaw is relaxed, your teeth shouldn't be touching. Okay, so one of the things that I teach my patients is a thing I call TTB, tongue, teeth, and breathing. When your jaw is relaxed, your teeth shouldn't be touching. Your tongue should be resting gently in the roof of the mouth in the N position. So imagine saying the word nice in a gentle way. Your tongue's gently resting in the roof of your mouth and Lips together, breathing through the nose. So this is a little awareness exercise that I teach my patients. Teeth apart, tongue resting gently in the roof of the mouth, lips sealed, breathing through the nose. And this gives the jaw the best postural decompression of the joint and it also helps people uh, be aware of uh, maybe controlling a bit of unconscious clenching uh, during their day. Um, the other thing which sort of flows on from that really is that um, learn to take some time in your day to listen and experience your body. The relationship between jaw joint problems and tension in your muscles is uh, really borne out by the research and my own experience. So mindfulness, which is a, a way of uh, becoming aware of the way your body is functioning and how you're feeling in the here and now can be one of the most beneficial skills to cultivate in relieving the stress and tension around the jaws and the face. And the other thing is, you know, be prepared to critically explore different approaches uh, when it comes to, to jaw joint problems. Um, if you're not getting satisfaction with a particular approach from a particular practitioner, um, be prepared to open your mind and, and maybe think about um, uh, a few other avenues that you might like to explore if, if you're having ongoing problems in this area. Now, Russell, one thing that we like to do at Backchat as well as uh, you know, share the great information that you've um, been putting across to us uh, with this particular podcast, but is to understand a little bit about our um, guest speakers as well and if there's been an impact pivotal experience that perhaps happened in your life that's really um, opened a pathway for you to, to, to take your professional, personal um, journey in a, in a particular direction. Is there something you could share with our listeners? Well, I, I mentioned briefly before that when I was a young chiropractor, I woke up one morning actually down at uh, my holiday house and uh, one side of my face had uh, to use a lay term dropped um you know we would say that uh, it, it actually became paralyzed and uh this was obviously a concerning thing and it became even more concerning when a day later the same thing happened to the other side so uh, there i was with uh, a total um bilateral facial paralysis and um 
after obviously consulting uh, my medical practitioner fairly quickly, uh, I was rushed off to hospital and, and the, the diagnosis ended up being a, a particular neurological syndrome called Guillain-Barre or Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is uh, a type of um, nervous system disease which affects uh, the nerves and muscles. Anyway, after a period of hospitalization from which I, I uh, thankfully recovered fairly well over a period of several weeks to months, I was still left with this, this palsy of my face and um, I was considering e either uh, taking up a, a career as a, uh, as a poker player or, uh, <laughs> or some other form of, uh, like some other chiropractors that we, that we know. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Um, um, so um, I was getting worried. I, I, I sought a lot of different types of chiropractic approaches and, and um, I went to see uh, an old chiropractic colleague who, as I think mentioned before, specialised in, in craniosacral therapy and this was about nine months down the track and within three treatments over a three-week period, my cranial nerve seven or my facial nerve palsy had uh, had improved by about 70%. So I was actually pretty impressed with this and... Hence, uh, it kind of sparked me, I suppose, to embark upon a path of discovery and study about the functional characteristics and treatment of the articulations and myofascia of the, the skull, jaw and face. There you go. It's amazing, really. We've got some personal experience there. It's, uh, it, it's, well, we have so many chiropractors that have had um, their personal experience really drive them forward, isn't it? And, mm. it's, and as we often say, it's not about um, this great thing happened to me and therefore yes. I went this direction. It's yes. usually this horrible thing happened to me <clears> and <throat> it made me reassess or find other directions to, to go. So, uh, yeah, good, great story. What do you think, Anthony? I think we've covered, you know, we've covered many joints in the body, haven't we? Spine. Uh, we've had surgeons, we've had uh, nervous system uh, discussions, we've had foot discussions. I was going to say, to the, to, to the, from, the head, from the nose to the toes, pretty much. Pretty much, and now we've got the TMJ covered. So what do you think? Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Russell Mottram. It's a, a great podcast. Really enjoyed your information. Thanks a lot, Anthony. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, Russell. No worries, Paul. Dr. Russell Mottram has 33 years of chiropractic experience, 25 of those in the treatment of jaw, head and face pain and dysfunction. If you require an accurate assessment and the best in treatment and advice about the management of your condition associated with your TMJ, please check out Russell at tmjcare.com.au. Russell works with a multidisciplinary team, including dentists that also have a vast experience in the dental management of TMJ disorder. Thank you for listening to Backchat. To stay abreast with updates with Backchat, please go to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Backchat Podcast. All relevant website links of today's podcast will be on our Backchat Podcast Facebook page. If you like this show, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. We'll leave you one thought. Be the best at what you do, and you will grow and inspire others around you. We look forward to catching up with you on our next Backchat Podcast. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Possible Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.